Your turn. Oh. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of my Not So Balanced Life podcast. I'm Natalie. And I'm Allie. And it definitely shouldn't have taken us this long to record this intro, so grab a snack and let's chat. Hello. Hello. We are officially at the big five. Wait, is it five zero? No, you said 48 today in Instagram store or 49, but it's really 48 because we didn't count the road fry. Oh, that's why I was thrown in a tizzy. Okay, so you're tuning in for the big four nine. That's what this episode is. And yeah, we're here for it. Um, a continuation of last week's conversation about the Rise Conference. But before we dive into it, Allie, did we hear anything from people? I feel like we got some good feedback from last week's episode. I just heard people liked it. Okay. That's good. as far as I've gotten. As much as I've heard. Okay. Well, I'm here for it. As always, you guys, if you have commentary, um, any comments, complaints, concerns, want us to chat about something that you've really had laying on your heart, please just let us know. We'd love to hear the feedback. But without any further ado, we're whipping through the intro because we want to get into the meat and potatoes of part 2.0 of the Rise Conference. Yes. Um, so day two of Rise, it is called, it's health day at Rise. And Rachel and Dave and everybody at the Hollis company are very much like pro health and pro movement and pro finding what works for you and something that you'll stick to. So day two is health day. And or formally, formally titled owning your present well it is titled own your present but yeah she calls it like her health day and that's all we got no just kidding thanks for tuning in <laughs> we'll catch you <laughs> summarize the whole day in five minutes yeah seriously um, um we both said um at the same and we can't oh. see each other again so this is what happens when we can't see each other okay perfect so Allie, just dive in. Like, give me, give me the logistics. What? So you kind of summarized it already. The purpose of the day. Why do you think it was important for us to tackle this topic during the Rise Conference? So, well, owning your present, and like I kind of touched on this last week, where I, you know, she says like, do what you can with what you have at this very moment, and. A lot of that for her, at least for her journey, um, was like exercising and finding that movement and and losing weight and making her feel good about herself, which again, like gave her a good platform to launch into whatever it is that she was going to do moving forward. So I think a lot of people, which again, we covered in, in day one, have body image issues or concerns or whatever. So what I really liked and what I thought was like the point of this is no matter what you do on a day-to-day basis, you have to move your body in some form, whether it's like dancing or working out or walking or swimming or running or whatever it is. Like 
she says like, if you are in like a bad mood or if you are in like a funk, she's like, you literally have to move your body because it like changes the chemicals in your brain and it, it just like makes you happier. Like it's proven that it like changes your brain to a happier state. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of us kind of shy away. Well, we, we don't, but like women might shy away or they just don't want to talk about body image or health or like the hard stuff. It's like the hard truths. Like you need to change again in order to see change. You need to drink the freaking water. You need to eat the good food. Like you continuously eating crap or not doing exercise and then like crying about why you don't like the way you look. Like that's a choice that you've made. Mm-hmm. And that is a hard truth to listen to and realize like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that or I'm choosing not to show up for myself and, you know, continue, continue to be unhappy in my life. Continue to enable the negative behavior that's making you feel the way that you feel. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think what was really nice and I'm, I'm glad that the conference was structured in this manner because truly you can't, you can't get to a goal in the future that you've been thinking about without addressing the issues of your past. Because whether or not you want to know and accept it, your past affects your present. And unless you unpack that, which we did in day one, which was the last episode, then you can't see where you are right now. So I'm glad the conference was structured in the manner that it was because it really helped us get to the underlying layers of what might be affecting us today in the present. And one thing that was really nice about what Rachel had to say about this day is that even though she was giving tips and advice and not just her, but like the keynotes and the speakers that were involved as well, even though they were giving advice on how we could control and maintain and enhance our present day functions and routines and things like that, they really did hit the point home that health is really whatever you make of it. Like one woman, definition of being healthy is not the same as another woman's definition of being healthy. You know, what one woman may look like physically on the outside is not the end-all, say-all standard of what it means to be healthy. And for me, like, I really appreciated that approach to the conversation because I feel like with women specifically, with society and women specifically, and we talked about it, that there's this constant level of comparison that's kind of like ingrained in us for such a for from such a young um, age of life that when it comes to us feeling a certain way about our bodies, it's with this constant tension between how we we feel and how uh, how we see ourselves versus how society expects us to feel and see ourselves. And what was really nice about the the conversation that happened at the conference is that your health is your health and it is what you make of it today. Like you have to own what it is that you're doing for your health. And with being such an inclusive group of women in, in this conference, they really did drive the point home that 
whatever it is that you decide to do, decide to do it for you. Don't do it for the person that's sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you, whatever. Do it for you because your needs are going to be different from their needs. Their needs are going to be different from the girl sitting five rows across from them. Like we all have different needs. So it was really nice that, you know, we unpacked the things of the past before we addressed the things in the present because a lot of people, I think, came out of that day realizing that the past was really kind of dictating their present. And that sounds like an oh, duh kind of statement, but you don't realize how impactful those things that have happened to you in your past can be psychologically and you trying to do the things that you need to do to better your health today. So it was a very strong message. And I mean, to like what Ali said, you know, the whole conference was really dedicated to, or at least today, just what can I do right now? Like, what can I do right this very second to just kind of better my health in the present? Like, what, what is a simple goal or simple thing that I can apply in my daily routine that is going to help me get to where I want to go? And for every single person, that's different. And it's interesting that you bring up what Rachel said, Allie, because with the whole, with the whole movement um, piece commentary that she, that she made, I, if you guys have been following me on, on Instagram, I've been pretty transparent. <laughs> I've been pretty transparent that I've been feeling in a big funk for several weeks now, like just really demotivated, not really feeling in, in myself and, and really wanting to do anything. And, and for anyone that knows me, that's not characteristic at all, like at all. So interestingly enough, I'm finally like starting to feel bad or not feel bad, but I'm starting to feel better from where I was. And I think in part it's because I've been working out again. Like I've been working out more consistently. I've been getting in a routine again and it has been like a whirlwind of a difference for me in terms of how I feel. So it's like things like that. Like that was what Rachel was really encouraging us was to just find those little minor wins, minor tactics that we can incorporate in our day to kind of leverage how we are feeling today. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. I like, kind of, I can't. Did you breathe? I don't know if I did or not, <laughs> but I, there's just a lot to unpack and, and we haven't even gotten it. That's just my like view of this, of the conference yeah. in general. But yeah. if, if you had to put, if you had to put a, a finger on the thing that you really liked the most about, about owning your present, like what was something that you really enjoyed from that day? I don't know. I really liked the whole day. I mean, I don't want to talk about the speakers like just yet, but activity wise, I mean, I think we did like one really big activity that day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, and I'll talk about that, but it was like establishing like your type of suffering and everybody suffers differently and everybody, um, you know, some people can suffer quietly, right? Like there's like physical like ailments, like, you know, I broke my arm and it's like, everyone sees my, me suffering with my broken arm. But a lot of the things that people suffer from are like, are quiet, are like internal. You don't see them. Um, Maybe the people closest to them don't even see them. But 
um, there are three types of suffering on this in this um, notebook, and it's physical suffering, emotional suffering, and behavioral suffering. And you know, we had to go in, um, and it's listed, you know, under physical suffering. It's like fatigue, aches and pains, dizziness, grinding of your teeth, weight gain, weight loss, panic attacks, and then emotional. It's depression, anxiety, um, irritability, irritability. English is hard. Um, and then behavioral suffering, there's just overreacting, lying, social withdrawal, neglecting responsibilities. Um, and those are actually the ones I circled. So now you guys know me a little bit better. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of hard when it's put into perspective, like it's written down and you have to go in and like circle the things that you're like struggling with because sometimes like you don't even let yourself realize like what you're suffering from, you know? And if I'm being completely honest with you guys, I literally just got into an argument with Brian, um, literally before we were recording this podcast, because I mean, it, I had my setup out in the living room. He's never home this early. He came home early and then I got annoyed because now I had to move my entire setup into a different room. So I am overreacting. Am I though? Am I? It's annoying. Um, and, you know, we got into an argument about me neglecting responsibilities around the house. Um, and I guess it's kind of like Natalie, like, like right now we are in such a weird place. Like, you know, we are trying to, oh my God, I'm like going to word vomit here. Um, trying to plan a wedding. We're moving. We're trying to buy a house. Um, there's just a lot of moving parts. So something has to give, right? Like you can't do everything all the freaking time. Something has to give. And for me, it's just been like my organization of my house. Like Natalie knows I am a very organized person and I don't like a lot of stuff. And right now our apartment is like clutter overload. And which for you saying something like that, that says a lot because that just doesn't happen. Like that happened that that happens for me. That's a that's a norm for me, but it's not a norm for Allie. It's just no, it's not. And it's been like I wanna say it's been maybe the last six to eight months that it's been like this. And it's just so cluttered that I don't even want to deal with it. That mm. I'm just like and like I keep stuff, and I'm not I'm gonna sound like a hoarder, but like I keep things for like sentimental value, but I like don't use them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I you know what? Like I'm just gonna go through stuff and start throwing away. Like I, I have no problem throwing stuff away, like when it gets down to it. But for some reason lately I've just not been able to do it. And it's like really frustrating. And obviously, like it's taking a toll on my relationship because we just got into a fucking argument. Um, and it's just not cute when Brian and I argue because we're both very like strongly opinionated people. I don't know. That wasn't good. Um, we're just both very headstrong, so it's not good when we argue, (laughs) um, because we both want to win. Um, but anyway, um, anyway, whatever. That was our that was the um exercise on suffering and it was just it was just really cool to see 
it written down like, okay, these are the areas where I'm really struggling in and I need to just kind of face it and like move forward. I can't just keep using these as excuses anymore. Like, oh, I'm tired or, oh, I just don't feel really well or blah, blah, blah. Like you just have to own, own your suffering, if you will. Well, the interesting, the interesting thing about that exercise, which I don't think a lot of people in the room probably realized until before that exercise is that the things that you're feeling, the things that you're feeling that you are not addressing manifest themselves in other ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of people were like, oh shit about after doing an exercise like that. Because when you're physically circling the types of things that you're quote unquote suffering from, then you start to ask yourself the question, why? Well, why am I grinding my teeth? Why am I constantly feeling anxious? Why, 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 why? You know, and I think for a lot of people that hadn't gone through what we went through on day one, I think those kinds of answers to the question or to those kinds of questions weren't as apparent as they were for us on day two. Does that make sense? Like we unpacked so much in day one that when we're physically suffering the things that we're feeling, like for me, like for me, one of the things I put down was anxious. One of the things I put down was feeling tired. One of the things, you know, things like that, you know, and, and, and I, and I knew why leading up to the conference, but I didn't really know why. Like I, I didn't fully understand the issues that were really kind of carrying over and why it was driving the way I was feeling. So I think that, um, I think that exercise was definitely enlightening for, for a lot of people, especially the people like if you've been through something really, really sad, like really sad, like you lose, you lose a loved one, you know, you lose your job, like you're, you're homeless, like really heavy crap like that. Sometimes people don't want to talk about those feelings and sometimes the solution is for them not to talk and for them to carry those burdens on them without confiding in anyone to express how they're feeling and get those feelings off their chest. Well, the issue is that those feelings will manifest themselves in other ways. And it's just a fact, right? Like the body has to figure out a way to release tension for itself. It has to figure out a way to decompress itself. And if it's not going to come out verbally from you, from the horse's mouth, the person that's feeling it, those emotions and those feelings are going to express themselves in other ways. And for a lot of people, it is anxiety. Like I, I couldn't figure out why I was feeling so anxious. Like, I just, I I couldn't figure out. Like, I, that's, that's always been something that I've had to deal with is my anxiety, but it's just gotten, like, the last two years with the constant routine that I was locked into, it's just gotten to a place that was, I mean, I, I, I was just constantly on edge. And I, after the conference, I realized like a lot of things with my anxiety that me overscheduling myself like a psycho and me doing a bunch of different things that I think that I can do because I, I want to be everything to everyone. It was, it was literally blowing my anxiety out of control. So, you know, it's situations like that. Like if you put a tangible descriptor 
to how you are feeling, it makes you in a way take the bull by the horns and address it head on. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I lied. That wasn't my favorite activity. It wasn't. Okay. So then what was, I, I I did really like that, that activity. I liked that, it, but I forgot and I just turned to it because I was like, no, there was something else that we did that I really liked. But what I really liked was establishing our triggers. And uh, um, so establishing okay. like what sets you off or, or, and like establishing a habit, right? So she has this habit cycle on one of the pages and it's a circle with arrows pointing from like one, two, and three. So it goes from cue, action, to reward. So we're going to talk about like the negative part of it, right? It can, this is great if you're trying to form like a really good habit, but it can be like the worst thing ever when this habit cycle becomes something negative. So, you know, a cue or her cue was when uh, um, like someone, a man, someone that she looks up to is mad at her. That was her cue. And then her action was to, um, drink a bunch of alcohol and like to, to eat and to like try to fill that like void of that she thought that this person was like mad at her or didn't love her or whatever. And then the reward or like the outcome of it was her gaining all this weight and then it became a cycle. Like that's just mm-hmm. the thing that she did. So in order to create like a good habit, you know, it's your cue, whether it's like, okay, you know, this person, or I can't even think of one right now. Um, the cue is, okay, I'm driving home and I get to my house. The action that you, it's like a fork in the road almost. Like you can either choose to sit on your couch and do nothing, or you can establish that action. It's like you get home and you change into your gym clothes and, the, and you do your workout. And the reward is that you're in a better mood. That you're mm-hmm. probably going to sleep better. You're probably going to make better food choices for dinner or if you wake up in the morning and that's what you do. Like establishing good habits isn't hard on paper, like if you have it written down. And what I really like that she said, she's like, you're always going to choose something you know, even though it hurts you because it's easier. Mm -hmm. So you choosing to sit on the couch versus work out. It's obviously like something you're used to because that's what you're currently doing. Um, but it, it hurts you because you get farther away from what you're trying to achieve. And another thing she said that I really liked with this, um, is our daily habits will lead you to the life that you want, which is kind of like what I just said. So Mm -hmm establishing the habits, even if it's something, I literally can't think of anything right now that I do that's like connected to each other. I don't know. Packing a gym bag. Put that in the habit circle. Okay. So, so going to, okay. Getting into the habit of going to the gym, right? Like getting into the habit. Like a lot of people say that they don't have the time for the gym or, or they, you know, have too many responsibilities after work or blah, 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 blah. Like they can't go home and change, blah, blah, blah. Well, that used to be my, I'll just use me as an example. I used to say I was too rushed. Well, like, and that would be my excuse to basically not go to the gym 
will get in the habit of pre-packing your bag before you go to bed at night, put it by the door, add that into your routine to go to the gym. And then you take your clothes with you to work, all this different stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's incremental things that you could do on a daily basis that curve the behavior. Okay. Like, I got it. You got it. Okay. Packing your lunch the night before. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm so, so bad. Your cue is if you cook every night. I don't know if you guys do, but I, don't, I do not. Um, so if you're making dinner, you make more than enough, and you pack your lunch the night before, and the reward is that you don't have to rush the next morning trying to figure out what is going to be for lunch because you already have it packed because you made more for dinner the night before. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's a good one, and I'm not good at that at all. Um, I mean, th- it's hard. Yeah. I just separate it all at the beginning of the week. Like I have five lunch containers and I'm like, that's what I'm taking for the whole week. Yeah. Well, the good thing about the trigger exercise is that it's getting to the fact that we use mediums to cover up the root causes of our problems. Make sense? Like we channel, we channel addressing our problems into other things things that put a band-aid on our problems and one example that she used during the conference that really hit home for me was coffee (laughs) it was coffee i mean honestly i at my age i drink a stupid amount of coffee and i and i know that and i feel that it's just at this point it is truly a habit um and it's something that it's incorporated into my routine and all this different stuff but what she said to all of us was that something as simple as coffee and our dependency on coffee covers up the fact that there are other issues at play here, right? Like, why are we drinking coffee? Well, outside of, for me, being it, for it being part of my morning routine, which I love my morning routine, Allie, no commentary needed. But outside of it being part of my morning routine, sometimes I drink coffee because I feel tired. Well, why am I, why am I feeling tired? Well, because I go to bed late at night, which that's even laughable because it's like 9.30 is my bedtime. But I go to bed late at night. What or, time do you get up? What time? Yeah. Um, like 5.36. No, you don't. I swear to God. I swear to God. Maybe you're getting too much sleep. I, I like don't maybe know. your body's having to work harder to stay asleep. Well, no, because part of the – so let me, let me back up here. It's not every night that I sleep all the way from 9.30 to 5.30 or 6 o'clock. Like, that doesn't happen. More often than not, there's a disruptor of my sleep in the middle of the night. And when that happens, then I, I'm the type of person that when I'm up, I'm up. So if something wakes me up, like, I cannot go back to sleep for a few hours later. It's just not possible. Oh, God. That is unfortunate. Yeah, it's terrible, especially with, like, the dogs and stuff like that. Like, it's a nightmare because as soon as one of them gets restless and starts pacing, it wakes me up because I'm a light sleeper. Like, it's a disaster. But so those kinds of issues manifest in the middle of the night. So I I go to bed at, like, 9.30, wake up at, like, 5.36, 6.30 on the later end. Um, And more often than not, almost every single morning, I have a cup of coffee. Well. Some days it's just routine. I like it being part of my routine. Other days it's like, oh my God, if I don't have my coffee now, I'm not going to make it through the day, you know? Mm-hmm. And when she said that, I was like, wow, like I do that more often than I realize. Like I drink 
coffee to fulfill the fact that I'm feeling tired. Well, why am I feeling tired? Well, it's because I didn't get enough sleep. It's because I, you know, I stayed up late, later than 9.30, all these different factors. So the good thing about the trigger piece and, and the uh, emotional cues that we just kind of like talk through or physical cues that we talk through is that they really were harping on this idea of like, we use other things to kind of like cover the root causes of some of the problems that are affecting us that we don't realize that they're affecting us until they physically manifest themselves in other ways. And I think that's a really important thing to, to talk about and to, and to own and to address for yourself because without that knowledge, without the understanding of that there are these things happening to us that we are covering with other things, we're never going to fully address the issues that are affecting our health today. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so her going through those exercises definitely helped. Um, and, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you what, the, the nights that I sleep the best, the nights that I get full sleep without any sort of break in the middle of the night are the days that I go to the gym. Absolutely. Like the days that I wasn't going to the gym, I slept like crap. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And some people might, you know, disagree with that, you know, but I, it was just truly like me doing that and me having that in my routine again has been like so beneficial for me because my, my body feels better doing it, you know? So it's like, what are the things that you can do today incorporate, incorporate into your routine today to yield additional benefits for you and your health? today. And one thing, so one of the exercises that I really loved that we actually did there was we did a 10 minute workout. Like we, 10 minutes, we did a 10 minute workout and really outside of it, you know, getting our heart rates moving and, and pumping and us moving our bodies and everything. The real message with that 10 minute workout was that you do have the time to do this. You do have the ability to do this, which brings me to segue talking about my favorite speaker of the day. Hold on. I think it's both of our favorite speakers because he was like pretty much the only one. Was he? No, because Amy Porterfield was that day. Yeah, but I don't really consider her a speaker because it was like a conversation. I I still got a lot from Amy Porterfield. I mean, I got a lot from her too, but like the one that really hit it home, like to my heart and my soul. Trent Sheldon. Trent Sheldon. Trent freaking the Chupacabra Shelton. I mean, you guys, if you're not like, if you're not sipping the Kool-Aid from Trent Sheldon, like you need to go, go listen to him. He has a podcast out now. It's he has a book. Say it again. He has a book too. He has a book and a podcast. His podcast is under Rachel Hollis's new network. Um, It's called Straight Up with Trent Shelton, isn't it? Yeah, and then his book is called The Greatest You. The Greatest You. I mean, this guy, he's incredible. Former NFL player, left the NFL, and just now basically goes and tours and does um, conferences and things. Say it again? He's a motivational speaker. That's like his J-O-B. Yeah, like just goes and does conferences and things, talking about like motivation and, and, you know, how you view things. Um, in terms of, of reaching a goal, right? So going off of what we were saying, 
So what was nice about the 10 minute workout is that it drove the point home for everyone, not just me, for everyone that you do have the time to do this. Where that segued beautifully into Trent Shelton's speech to us, and that really hit me to my core that day, was the fact that he said, all of us basically have the same amount of time. We know this. We each have 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. So you mean to tell me that the girl sitting next to you has more time to do everything on her list of to-dos than you do? The answer to that is no. We all have the same amount of time. Basically, what he said after that was, you make time for the things that are important to you. You make excuses for the things that are not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, man, that was a good old kick in the ass, wasn't it? I I mean, here's the thing. I knew that. I knew, I knew that. Like, I, I, that's something that I knew. It's just I needed to hear it from someone else for it to really hit me. And, and he said it straight up like that. I mean, you make the time for the things that are important to you. If you say you can't go to the gym because you don't have time, no. You don't go to the gym because the gym is not important for you to go to. If you say that you can't meal prep because you don't have time, no, you can. You just don't want to make the time dedicated and dedicate the time to you to, to prep your food in advance. Like the things that are important to us, we carve the time out to do them. The things that are not, we carve out the excuses to do them. Right. To not do them, I should say. And at that point, like you can't complain about it either. No, you can't. Because you're choosing to not do it. Exactly. It all comes down to choice. Everything comes down to choice. Yeah. He was amazing. Like, he's incredible. He, and it, again, like Natalie said, like, it's things that you already know. It's things that you know, that you've heard, that someone's told you. But, you know, sometimes it takes, it's like when you're at the gym, right? And your coach gives you a cue to like throw your hips back or like to really squat or to like put your arm in a different location or like position or to do whatever. And you're like, I literally have no freaking clue what you're saying, dude. Like, I don't get it. And then here comes your other coach who's like, Hey, like maybe just like try it like this. And then you get it and you're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's the way people say things or it could just be the person that says it, or it could just be your mindset when you're listening to someone tell you something. Like, Mm -hmm. all of that has a factor in how you receive information. Mm -hmm. And, well, go ahead. What he said that I really liked, I was kind of bumping off what you just mentioned. He said the only impossibilities that exist are the ones that you create. Yep. Basically, moral of the story was just quit the excuses. Either you can make moves or make excuses. I mean, it really comes down to your choice, your decision-making, your actions, and applying what it is that you know is going to benefit you. And, and for me, like that, that, I needed to hear that. I needed yeah. to hear that because I'm notorious for making excuses. And, you know, one thing, one thing with Brandon and I, like, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people are in relationships that listen to this podcast, you know, that, when you're with someone, you want to you want to do a lot of things as a unit. 
you do. You want to cook together. You want to go out together. You, you know, you want to be in a routine together because you love each other. But at the same time, like there are moments where you have to just make decisions for yourself that are going to benefit yourself. And, you know, one of the things that Ali's told me often is like meal prepping, like meal prepping. Brandon can eat what he wants to eat. I can eat what I want to eat. You know, it's, it's okay to prep food separately. Like it's okay to do that. Like (laughs) there's no harm in doing that. You know, at the end of the day, Brandon and him and I being together cannot be a crutch for me not doing the things that I need to do to be successful for myself. Why? Because if I do the things that are going to allow me to be successful for myself, it's going to flow into my relationship. It's going to help me be the best wife that I can be. So him saying that, like, I knew that. It was just a matter of I needed to hear it in a manner that was like, you need to get your shit together for me to actually do something about it. Yeah. And that's what he delivers. He delivers, like, no BS, like, straight up advice and, like, things that you you just need to do. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to read a few things that he said that really stuck with me. Um, first one is, goals are something you reach for and standards are something you live by. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn. Like, you're right. Like, instead of setting these goals every year, it's you need to make them a standard. You know, you, you hold people to a certain standard. You hold yourself to these standards, and you're only going to meet the standards that you set yourself up for. Mm-hmm. So why are you selling yourself short or setting yourself up for, like, failure by mm-hmm. setting a standard that's so low that you reach it, but it doesn't make you better? You know? Like, it, it doesn't make sense to me. So that was the first one. Um, the second one that kind of ties into the whole goal thing is when we set goals, we don't understand the person that we have to become to reach them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's so true. And That is so true. It's, it's crazy because you're like, oh, this year I'm going to get healthy. This year – I'm going to start a business this year. I'm going to start a podcast, but we don't realize in order to do these things, like we have to change period. Mm-hmm. We have to change our routine. We have to change our schedule. Like right now, if we didn't have a podcast, I would be sitting on the couch watching TV. You know, if I didn't want to um, get healthier and I didn't want to, you know, like tighten up, period, like I wouldn't work out, you know, but I, I have to make these daily deposits or daily changes in order to get to where I want to be and live the life that I want. So I don't work out as a punishment. Like I work out because that's the person I want to be. I want to be a healthy person. I want to be someone that doesn't overreact when someone comes home early. Like I want to be better for myself, like for Brian, for my future life, my kids, like, and I have to change in order to reach those goals. Like I, I'm not going to build a coaching business by not working out and eating shit and not connecting with people. Like there's no way, there's no way. 
Yeah, and he he said something really good after that statement. This wasn't my favorite, one of my favorite things that he said, but tying into what you're talking about. He said after setting the standards piece that lifestyles um, are forever. You are influenced. When someone is around you, how would you rub off on them? Right. How would you rub off on them? And that was really interesting too because we always think about the reverse of that statement, right? We always think about the impact that we have on other people, but we never think about the impact that we have on other people. You know what I'm saying? I really just so said ba- that. Huh? You said the same thing twice. Wait, oh, no, no. We you think like the people have on us versus us correct. having on other people. Yes, my mind was going further than I was like, you know what I'm saying. Anyways, but yes, the reverse of that. We often think about the influence of that other people have on us rather than the influence that we have on other people. And that was really interesting to me too, because I mean, you, how you show up for yourself every single day, how you show up for yourself every single day, that is projected onto the people around you, you know, like that image of yourself how you carry yourself, how you represent yourself, like you are projecting onto other people. Mm-hmm. So what ultimately do, do you want them to know about you? And that was really interesting because I was like, well, 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 damn, like, I don't, like, I, I don't want to come off as being like a slob. Like, I don't, I don't want people to, to look at Natalie and like think, and these are aggressive words, but literally this is what I was thinking when he was talking about it. Like, I don't want people to like come into my home and and think that like we're a, that I'm a slob like that I'm a slob that this like when they say Natalie when they identify Natalie that's like the thing that they tie to my name like I didn't I don't want that so it made me really start to think about like physical presence right like what I'm bringing to the table on a daily basis to then influence and project onto those around me because I want people to know me as something great something as a kind person as a person that you know carries himself well and has a lot of self-confidence in myself because that's how I feel inside and I don't want to project something that I'm not you know I I don't want to project and be something that I'm not so I thought that piece to his uh, conversation was really great and tying into that he also said to us and again Natalie knew this but you deserve exactly what you settle for. Yep. I mean, I mean guys, it, it says it all. Like, it, that statement right there, it says it all. You deserve exactly what you settle for. You know, you can't be unhappy with the fact that you are not at the weight that you want to be if you settle for not dieting or if you settle for not uh, moving your body for 30 minutes. And I don't even want to say dieting. I want to say it as being a lifestyle change. If you can't go all in on the process of just changing how you view your health to better yourself, then the outcomes, the weight that you are right now, the, the, the way you look and feel about yourself right now, you deserve it because you're settling to feel that way, to view yourself in that way. And you, the only person that can change that is you, the only person. And when he said that, I mean, it's true. Like it's, it's one of those things like, like doing chores in the house. God, like 
I hate doing chores. <laughs> like, I hate it. Like, it's, it's, there's a million other things that I would much rather do in the house than do chores. But by not doing them, by not incorporating that into a routine and, 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 you know, being consistent with that, what happens? Well, the house is a mess. And what does that translate to? Natalie feeling like she looks like a slob, you know, that her house is, is sloppy. So it's like, here's the thing though, it, it all falls on you. You know, I don't have to feel that way about how the house looks, but if I'm not doing the things that I need to do to help maintain it, then I get exactly what I settle for. You know, it's like, it's a perpetual cycle, perpetual cycle. Yeah. It, it's hard. <laughs> I feel you on the chore thing right now. And mm-hmm. I, I don't even know why I'm like this because I wasn't ever like this. I just, I don't know. I haven't found the, the point that is like where all of this is stemming from yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it for me. But it takes time. I mean, and that point is different for every person. I mean, like, it's literally a choice. Like, I, I, I choose not to do them. Like, I could easily just be like, all right, I'm going to do whatever today. You know? It's literally yeah. me choosing not to do it. So maybe it's not anything, like, where it stems from. I'm just choosing to be lazy. Um, but the, the next thing that I really liked um, – is you are a choice away from a new beginning and a commitment away from a new life. Mm-hmm. And this ties into the next topic that he talked about where he was like, you know, consistency, it will change your life. Mm-hmm. Right. And you guys, if you've been around for a little bit. You know that last year, my word was consistency, like to consistently eat nutritious food or consistently show up to the gym or consistently like, you know, listen to uplifting podcasts and things like that. But um, he said, you know, the reason you're not consistent is because it doesn't mean that much to you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dagger to the heart. Yeah. And, you know, then um, he was like, what he, he said, he asked everybody, he was like, who here has a consistency issue? And like, you know, everybody raised their hand, blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, okay, so how is it that you have a consistency issue, but you consistently show up to a job that you hate Mm. or you consistently eat the bad food or you consistently choose not to work out or you consistently choose to do insert negative thing. He's like, you can be consistent at things you hate, but not at the things that you want or love. He's like, so you don't have a consistency problem. You have a commitment problem. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't complain about the things that you're not willing to change, that you're not willing to commit to. And I have, I mean, I've like always said this or always had an issue with this. And I also struggle with this. So I get annoyed with myself when I complain about the things that I'm unhappy with, but I'm not doing shit to change them. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with this a lot because I, for example, like with Natalie, like I gave her all my like cookbooks, my recipe books, my tips for, for doing whatever. But like, I, I couldn't, I I was upset because Natalie wasn't taking any of my like help. You know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. 
So I was just like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm doing everything I can to like, to help her. And she's complaining about these things, but Natalie wasn't ready to make a change. No. So I can't want for her to be committed. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if a lot of other people struggle with that, like with their partners or with their parents or their siblings or their friends where you have, you know, somebody who's like constantly struggling with the same, same thing over and over and over. And, you know, you, you try to help them and you try to do whatever you, it is that you can to, to take away some of that suffering. But until that person is ready to commit to something that is going to change their life, they're never going to take your advice. Mm-hmm. No, they're never going to understand it and apply it to their life. Well, and the thing, and the thing is too, with, with, and again, the case of my situation uh, oftentimes people that are not ready for something like that you know the not ready part manifests in excuses but really oftentimes there's something deeper that's keeping like making a roadblock for them that's preventing them from being able to be ready does that make sense something that they haven't unpacked and, and addressed to be able to move forward you know they're physically stuck so yeah it, it consistency and commitment they they go hand in hand with one another i mean they you know yeah you can't be committed to a change without at first being consistent in your action to reach said change you know it's it's all like a perpetual cycle so i don't necessarily agree with that i i you can have one like i mean you can't have one without the other i guess but like you don't need to be consistent to be com to be committed like or maybe it's it maybe they're the same thing no i i think be consistent at the things that you that are good for you because if you're consistent at the things that you're bad at but you're not committed to them like i don't know i don't know well i think consistency is the action and commitment is the outcome but if you're not committed in the beginning, you're never going to be consistent. Right. So they're tied directly with one another. They go hand in hand. But you don't you need to have be consistent to be com- – like I don't think it goes – I think it goes like commitment to consistency. Give me, give me an example of a situation where you have to be committed to it, but you don't have to be consistent. Um – I don't know. I can't think of one. But tonight I'm really bad at examples. Like I couldn't even think of like the packing your lunch thing the night before. Like we'll noodle on that. We'll circle back to that next week. Noodle on it. A situation to see to see if this. And you guys feel free to chime in on this conversation too. Do you think consistency and commitment are tied with one another? Yes or no. And if you think no, then I want an example of a situation where you can have commitment without having consistency. Okay, so I think my issue with your statement was that you have to be consistent first to be committed. That was where that was what I disagree with because I feel like you have to be commit you have to be committed in order to be consistent. I don't think it goes like I don't see it going the other the other way because you're consistent at showing up to a bad job, but I wouldn't say you're like committed to it. Like you're committed because you need to pay your bills, but you're yeah, not like soulfully I see, committed. I see how the verbiage on that can be viewed in either manner. Yeah. But I really liked what he said because he was just like, you're not – there's not a consistency issue. Like people are like, oh, I'm not consistent. And it's just like 
yeah, but you're consistent in every other part of your life. That kind of sucks, you know, or you're consistent at, at staying in a really bad relationship Mm -hmm. where this person puts you down. This person Mm -hmm. doesn't value you as a person. This person, your significant other just sucks, period. And you Mm -hmm. stay with that person because you don't think there's anything better out there for you. Right. And like, it doesn't make sense. Like, how can you, how can you say you have a consistency issue when you can, you're consistently showing up for things that take like your life out of you? Well, and he, that's a good segue to his last, uh, I guess, snippet, which he did ask, he said, well, he said, what are the things that you're, that you are giving life to? that I'm going to read it how I wrote it down. What have I been giving life to that has not been giving life to me? Is one of the things that he brought up, you know, what, what are the things that, that I am channeling my energy into that are not yielding benefits for me that are not helping me in, in getting to where I want to go. And, and a lot of, and a lot of people, that might sound like kind of dramatic, right? Like, oh, like what are the things that are like taking away my energy, blah. But, but, but honestly, like something like that is a lot more simplistic than you might think it is. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that he brought up uh, after that, he, he had, there were a lot of parents in the, in the room. He had all the parents, he asked them, all right, like how how many are of you basically are living by your calendar like and and not only just by your calendar but by your kids calendar you know when you become a when you become a mom or you know for the dads that listen out there you understand that having a child also results in having additional responsibilities related to said child but his point was what are the things that i am feeding my energy into that are not really helping me like for example you don't have to go to every single PTA meeting for your kid. You don't have to do, you know, be super mom and do everything, you know, perfectly and blah, 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 blah. Like you, there are things that you can absolutely say no to. And for me, we, we haven't even done an Enneagram podcast. We've said we're going to do an Enneagram pod. We haven't even gone down that road, but anyways, we've, we've talked about it enough. You guys know I'm a two. The two is the helper, right? Like we want to give so much of ourselves and be everything to everybody. The issue is that we overextend with that mentality. And that really hit the point home for me because it's like, all right, like how am I overextending myself? Like what is it that I need to do to say no and be okay with saying no to some of these commitments that I've made for myself? For my benefit, I need to say no to. So when you look at your daily routine, also look at the things that are not related to you and, and look at how they are impacting you. Because again, we all have the same amount of time, but the things that are not giving you additional benefit, do you have an opportunity to clear them off your plate? Yes or no? Yes or no. And I know with kids, it's complicated, like, especially when you want to be a lot for your child, but having a child, mm, it doesn't take away who you are. 
Okay, thank you. I was gonna say it, but I I, I hesitated because I'm like I'm not a mom. Like I know there's gonna be I a know. lot of I know I and I and I get it. Like we're both not moms, so we don't exactly we're know what we're talking it. about. But yeah. just because you have a kid doesn't mean you lose yourself. Doesn't mean okay. your identity becomes your child. Oh, thank you. Okay, thank you. So they can hate me for saying that, but they can't <laughs> hate you. <laughs> I feel no, validated I, in the direction I, I was going. In. I see this a, a lot. You know, where, you know, you have a, you know, your friend has a kid and, and they kind of like stop being your friend. They kind of start being like that kid's mom. And it's not like, oh, hey, Cheryl. It's like, oh, hey, Evan's mom. It's like, I'm not like, I'm my own person. Like, yes, I have a child, but my identity isn't my kid. Mm -hmm. Like I still, I feel like, and, and that's a lot of like, mom guilt which I'm sure you know you and I will feel when we have kids but I feel like moms tend to forget that they need like what am I trying to say they need their own time yeah you guys need your own time your your thing that's just yours Mm -hmm. that's not your kids that you like to watch like you going to watch your kids soccer game like that's not something for you it's like making you a better person or a better mom. I don't know. Maybe we're going to get a lot of hate for this, but I just, it's easier for us to say it because we're obviously not in that situation, but I hope that, I hope that when it does come time for us to have kids of our own, we, we do apply what we're preaching right now because you were your own person before your child completed you as a person. Like you completed yourself. Like I think what's really important with looking at that and assessing your scheduling critically is the fact that when we give so much of ourselves, we take away from ourselves. And when we take away from ourselves, that is going to have so many more additional side effects because of that. Like you can't be, you can't be the best mom or dad if you're constantly burnt out. Like you just can't, like you can't. You can't be the best mom or dad if you're unable to physically do things, you know, cause, cause, cause you have a lot of weight on you or, or whatever you like, you have to carve out the time for yourself to be the best version of yourself for your kids. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes doing that requires you to say no to things related to them. And that doesn't make you a bad parent. Like, and I think that's what a lot of parents struggle with too, is, is the fact that they feel like if they say no, that that makes them look like a bad mom or bad dad. No, that makes you look like a parent that's trying to have stability in your life and have a routine that allows you to be everything to your kid. Like, I feel like a lot of parents, especially when it comes to like working out, like there's some guilt there you know, like about, about taking time of like an hour or so out of their day to go work out. It's, it's, it's no, like that's not something you feel guilty about. Your kids are going to view you even more positively because you're doing something for yourself. I feel like, and, and, and where, where I've learned, you know, bless my mother's heart, but my mom is, is a a martyr to the cause. You know, she, she Uh, so are you. Okay, bad bad learned behavior. Bad learned behavior. I put myself on back burner more often than not. Have I worked to change that? Absolutely. So don't be afraid though to carve that time out for yourself. Like that's anything you need to carve time out for yourself or you need to do the things that you want to do because your kids are gonna see that and be like, wow, like my mom and my dad, like 
they started their own business and they mm-hmm. they're cool, you know, and they they're do, they're not scared and they're not doing all these things like. And and I kind of want to change a little bit like what Natalie said because it it it, it might have been it could be taken the wrong way. You're not a bad mom or a bad dad if you do show up to all these things. You're not a bad mom or a bad dad if you do have extra weight that does prevent you to do something. Okay, you know, fair, fair. I wasn't trying to offend. Yeah, I don't know. And I didn't think you were. I just wanted to make it clear. Like, every parent is doing the best they can with what they have. Mm-hmm. And what is good to one person may not be good to another. And, you know, everybody has opinions. Just as long as you are showing your kids, like, self-value and self-love and self-care, you are a good parent. Mm-hmm. You're, if your kid shows up with two shoes to school and, and like, an outfit, like, you're a good parent. Mm-hmm. If your kid has to eat Cheerios on the way to school because there's no time to sit and have breakfast, like, you're a good parent mm-hmm. because you actually got your kid to school. Mm-hmm. Like – with a full belly with a with some cheerios what mm-hmm. and i just there's just a lot more to unpack with owning your present but we are out of time today but the biggest thing that i think like we want you guys to take away from today is or from like the second day of the rise conference is that you have the choice mm-hmm. to construct the life you want mhm And the choices are things that you have to do daily. And those choices have to become a standard in order for you to reach the life that you are wanting to live. And to be successful. And to be successful. Yeah. But it's up to you, like entirely up to you. Yep. And with that, thank you for tuning in to today's episode um, of – the Rise Conference. We are obviously very excited to talk about these things. And next week we will have day three. So you'll have three weeks of Rise. Um, yeah. Tune in every Tuesday, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and let us know if there's anything else you want us to talk about on the podcast. DM us with your suggestions, ideas, even concerns. Like if you did not vibe with this episode at all, or you had some like issues, DM us those too because we want to get the conversation going. Um, anything you want to add, Nat, before we say goodbye? Nope. I think you covered everything. Stay tuned again. We release episodes every single Tuesday at 5 a.m. And we will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.